Yo, everybody, welcome to episode nine of the Fastest 40. My name is Dan, and of course, I've got my guy Trey here as always. We are virtual this week. Sorry for the for the Saturday episode drop. I uh, had to shift the schedule around. If you listen to Let's Chief, you've probably already heard the spiel, um, but just had some things going on outside of the show uh, that, that had us moving around a little bit. We will get back to a regular schedule next week. Trey, how are you feeling, brother? Hey, I'm feeling good, Dan. Uh, much better than you guys heard me last week. I feel like I coughed after every word. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling uh, much better. I'm ready to see a Chiefs win. Um, you know, it was kind of, I got to be honest, Sunday was kind of re- relaxing, you know, not having to worry about a Chiefs game. It was just like <laughs> stress-free football, you know what no I mean? No pressure like, football, lay, baby. Yeah, just lay on the couch and watch football and, and didn't have to worry about, you know, injuries or, you know, um, you know, nothing. It was just watching football. Hell yeah. It was so much fun. Um, I'm ready to get into it, break down all the action with you. Remember, we're presented by CS Designs, and we are in partnership with Stadium Rant. Trey, let's get All right, all right, all right. Let's break into this show agenda, my guy. What do we have for today's slate? So jumping into the agenda today, we're looking at the injury recap, NFL-wide, week eight recap, week nine preview. Obviously, week nine, big money moves of the week, and then week nine fantasy starts, and then we wrap every show up every single week with just a hunch. So let's get it, Dan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And of course, it's pregame stretches brought to you by the presenting sponsor, CS Designs. Corey Sanders always takes care of us. He always does. We just tell him something. We're like, hey, this is what we're going for this week. No problem. Puts it together for us. Make sure it looks nice and pretty. And we get it out to you guys on social media. www.coreysandersdesigns.com. If you're interested in taking your brand to the next level with this videography, photography, graphic designer, web design services. You would be hard pressed to visit that website and see what he's been able to do for some pretty big name companies out there. Bass Pro, Vans, uh, just to name a few, www.coreysandersdesigns.com. All right. NFL news, key injuries, starting with Cooper Cup. Scary. Scary stuff being a guy that has Cooper Cup on a couple fantasy teams. He got rolled up on late in the game, a game where they probably should have just ran the clock and called it a day. Um, Ankle's fine, though, thank goodness, and he should play against Tampa this Sunday. Yeah, that's a lucky one, to be honest with you. When you see guys get rolled up like that, they they don't – the odds are not against – the odds are against you there. Um, You see a lot of – a lot of shins, a lot of tibias and fibulas break that way. A lot of uh, serious ankle injuries that way, and a lot of knees get uh, um, a lot of a lot of uh, knee injuries that way as well. So he's pretty lucky. And uh, you, as a fantasy owner, 
You're gonna say Bo, bud. <laughs> I feel I feel pretty lucky. Um, I felt lucky to have been able to draft him. Feeling even luckier that he's still gonna be able to contribute to the team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's some that's some scary stuff. Other receivers, I mean, wide receivers took a beating this week, dude. It was yes. pretty. It's it's pretty bad. Christian Watson, Green Bay Packers first round pick, he got a concussion. Um, Debo Samuel didn't suit up last week uh, due to a, I believe it's a hamstring injury that he's dealing with. So we'll see what uh, what everything looks like in week um, week ten. I think they're on a bye this week. Maybe they're trying to get him healthy. Um, we'll sure. see if he comes back week ten. And then Jamar Chase injured his hip. Luckily, he's avoiding the IR. He got a second opinion. They thought maybe four to six weeks. Um, but the team's optimistic that he'll come back in less than four weeks. I guess the the second opinion doctor was like, uh, you know, his hip is shaped a certain way that's conducive for healing faster. I don't know wow. what that means. That's, that I know. I think it's I think it's maybe just a touch of horse shit and optimism. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, good but, for him, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, and good for dude me hips. too. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. I got Debo <laughs> and Jamar Chase on the team. So uh, I need both of those guys back healthy. <clears throat> Absolutely. Jamar Chase, again, should be back in less than four. We'll see how that pans out. And then a couple of season ender- ending injuries uh, were announced today, actually. Um, you know, now's the time in the week where they start to give you the, the indication on whether or not they're going to play on Sunday, you know, Thursday, Friday practices, they shut down Rashad Bateman for the season out there in Baltimore Liz Frank surgery, same surgery that, um, Derek Henry had, uh, or I'm sorry, Derek Henry narrowly avoided last year, um, which would have shut him down for the season. He was able to return for the playoffs. Not the case here for Rashad Bateman. And then Michael Thomas toe. He's got the worst toes in the NFL. Dude yeah, is he, having he another well toe lop, surgery. He might as well lop them bad boys off, bro. <laughs> I just want to know what what's the problem toe? Is it the big uh, toe? Is it the pinky You're, toe? Usually it's the big toe, I think, right? I think so. I don't know which one's worse. Yeah, disappointing, man. Disappointing to miss another season because of a toe. That's, I mean, I just want to know, like, Michael Thomas, I think, has finished the season on IR the last three years, including this season. How many games has this guy even played in? It's got to be less than 10, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, looking at it from a, a Chiefs fan, you know, this might be a good opportunity to jump on somebody that, uh, you know, we could rehe- re- uh, re- rehabilitate back to his former status. You know what I mean? Yeah, like uh, one of those reclaim projects that we we tend to be so fond of in Kansas City. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe the maybe the Saints cut him. I don't know what his contract situation looks like, but uh, you know, if the guarantees uh, weigh a little bit less than the non guaranteed money, I think there's a good chance he maybe finds himself in as a free agent this off season. Because if you're looking at it from the Saints' perspective, as a fan or as a member of that organization, you got to be pretty. Uh, pretty tired of it for sure. Um, not yep. that it's not, I don't know how much of it he can control. Um, but definitely, you know, change of scenery sometimes is best for those situations. Yeah. Hopefully it didn't turn into a, uh, like a Julio Jones or, you know, a, a AJ green situation. Both of those guys are at the top of their game for, you know, from college to NFL and then kind of fell off after some injuries. So 
I would like to see Michael Thomas continue his career, but, you know, it might not go that way. It might not. It's tough to see for sure. Um, moving into the trade deadline, we had a wild one. Uh, just to give you kind of an overarching understanding of the trade deadline from October 10th, which was just a shade over three weeks from the actual deadline itself, which was this past Tuesday, November 1st, 21 players and 34 draft picks found their way to new homes. That's wild. <clears throat> just over the three weeks between uh, the deadline and, and the first trade that set everything off, uh, which I believe was Dion Jones getting traded from the Falcons to the Browns. Um, 21 players. That's a lot. That's a lot of movement in the league. Um, things really, you know, got kicked off with that Roquan Smith trade. Or I'm sorry, the Robert Quinn trade um, yeah, that the yeah, Bears yeah. the Bears sent him to the Eagles, and then they they shipped Roquan Smith to the Ravens for another linebacker, a second round pick, and a fifth round pick. Uh, Chiefs acquired Kadarius Tony for a cop uh, third that we got for Ryan Poles uh, being hired as the Bears GM, and then we shipped a sixth round pick over to the Giants, and then this one really scratch you know I'll scratch my head about it. T.J. Hawkinson gets shipped from the Detroit Lions for a fourth-round pick and another fourth-round pick to their division rival Minnesota Vikings for a second and a third um, over the next two drafts. You never see the interdivision trade. I mean, it's a super rare occurrence, but to send yep. such a high-caliber player at a position where it's kind of thin to find players of his caliber – Yep, yep. Good division rival was just kind of shocking to me. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, especially where the Vikings are right now, you know, if you even want to say they want to beat a division opponent and somebody like TJ over to the Vikings who already have a solid team, not going to happen in the next couple of years, but. Oh, absolutely. And if you're the Lions, you're trying to, to rebuild and you want to hold on to those building blocks. And I definitely saw TJ Hawkinson as one. Yeah. Um, their GM did not see eye to eye with me and you. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Some other movement. Uh, the Steelers shipped off Chase Claypool for a second round pick to Chicago. Apparently the Packers were in on him as well, uh, but they're going with the pick that they think is going to be lowest at the end of the year. And that's the bears. And then the Steelers also acquired a cornerback, William Jackson, who used to play for their division rival Bengals. Um, a late round, late, I think it was a day three pick, sixth round pick, seventh round pick combo um, that got Jackson over there in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> so, you know, they were making some moves. They were real active at the deadline as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, there's a, like a few teams, you know, I was kind of surprised by, or not surprised by, sorry, you know, with Pittsburgh moving on with some guys. Um, obviously, the Lions moving on with some players. But, uh, you know, guys like Chase Claypool, I was kind of shocked to see move where, you know, I think the Steelers aren't too far off from having a decent team and being uh, being you know competitive in their in their division. So, you know, somebody like Chase Claypool is, is another guy like you talked about, TJ Hawkinson, who's kind of a pillar guy that can help you build, you know, a culture and a football team. But you know, I, once again, you know, they must have been thinking something else than we were. Absolutely. No, they definitely were, and, um, you know, I'm surprised the Packers didn't make another push for a different receiver, apparently. Um, 
you know, there just wasn't any offers out there that they liked, or maybe they weren't sending enough to some of these teams to merit a trade, but there were plenty of receivers that were available. We even saw Calvin Ridley, you know, that's not a play for, for right now, but the Jaguars sent a couple of day three picks over to uh, the Falcons to acquire Calvin Ridley and, and they're setting up Trevor Lawrence with more weapons for, right. for next season. I think they're kind of yeah. throwing the towel in on this team already, but uh, you know, that's a pretty, that's an underrated move really. No, I agree a hundred percent. We also saw Bradley Chubb um, go to down to uh, Miami and Miami made some moves, man. Uh, you, you know, uh, they've, they're really trying to make a push and make this season what it is for them. And uh, they just penciled a deal with Bradley Chubb for 115 mil a day. Yeah. Yep. A little five-year extension. You got to love that if you're Bradley Chubb for sure. Yeah. Um, but you got to be uh, really stoked if you're a Dolphins fan just to see what they've been able to do with all that draft capital that they've acquired the last couple of years. Um, it doesn't all have to be spent in the draft, and that's apparent. They've been able to flip some picks to get uh, high-caliber players like Tyree Kill, like Bradley Chubb, that are going to make an immediate difference for them. Um, and then, of course, they shipped uh, they shipped off Chase Edmonds in that deal for Bradley Chubb to the Broncos and then acquired Jeff Wilson, a guy who's familiar with Mike McDaniel's offensive scheme. And I think he's going to come in and, you know, be a nice second fiddle to Raheem Mostert in that backfield, which Mostert really was, was, you know, emerging as that number one back anyway. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think Jeff Wilson has a much larger role in Miami than he did in San Fran. Absolutely. Some more domino effect trades that happened. Jacob Martin, edge rusher for the Jets made his way to Denver after Bradley Chubb left along with a fifth round pick for a 2024 fourth round pick. And then Naheem Hines, traded to Buffalo at the buzzer for Zach Moss and a fifth round pick next year. Um, That gives the bills a nice little pass catching running back. Um, Another weapon that Josh Allen can utilize. I know most of the balls go to Stefan Diggs anyway, but I mean, gosh, you gotta be excited if you're, if you're Buffalo, someone who can come in on third downs and really take the passing game to the next level. If, if he needs to, he's a dynamic player. Very much so. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Ian Hines. I think he's got a lot to offer out of the backfield. I couldn't agree more. And then finally, Rashad Fenton, our our old corner in Kansas City, uh, was shipped off to the Falcons for a conditional seventh round pick. We talked about it a little bit in Let's Chief on uh, on the Red Friday episode. But, uh, you know, the Rashad, Rashad Fenton trade really just speaks to uh, the front office and their trust in the young cornerback group that we have, which features uh, currently it's what three rookies, Legereus Sneed, And I think there's another player there that maybe is a first year or second year or a second year player. Um, So we really, you know, Chris Lamont, Lamont, that's, that's who it is. So, you know, we're really putting a lot of faith in these guys uh, for being so young. Yeah, no, I, uh, the, the, Brett Veach has really always liked young cornerbacks. You know, he, he's never wanted to go out and make the big deal for uh, to re-sign cornerbacks from other teams. You know, look at Stephon Gilmore when he was free. Uh, everybody wanted to jump all over that, and we ended up um, going and getting Trim McDuffie. So, yeah, I, uh, I I don't know about the, the uh, Rashad Fenton trade. It's kind of scary to me. 
you know, injuries happen, especially those skill skill players. They got to move around so much. So I don't know, man. It's going to be scary. But uh, some other news, I guess we can we can we can jump into here, Dan. You know, right before we move into the week eight recap, is is the Commanders and. Uh, Dan Snyder has said that he's looking to sell the team and he's, he's made some, some moves to sell the team. So, and it looks like Jeff Bezos might, might be the guy that wants to buy that team. So kind of crazy, you know, not a shocker though. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not surprised to see a guy like Jeff Bezos say he wants to buy a team. Uh, you know, he's just got that status. You know what I mean? He's just up yeah. next if you want to look at it that way. He's got more money than he knows what to do with, for sure. And he obviously has an interest in the NFL, striking yeah. up a deal with Amazon. Um, I think the biggest hurdle that they're going to have to come across here is whether or not there's going to be a conflict of interest with the TV contracts and with you know the Washington Commanders being owned by the same person. Sure, yeah, that's a good point. You know, why is Washington play every Thursday? Yeah, it's going to be the official <laughs> broadcast network of the Washington Commanders, Amazon All right. Prime. All right. um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he could he could receive some improper benefits that way, too. You know what I mean? So there's just a lot, a lot that would need to be hashed out. Dan Snyder, obviously, you know, not the best human being. Uh, has had a, his run of scandals and uh, different things going on within that organization that are not okay and been frowned upon uh, yep. by many. Um, so the fact that he's selling the team, I think is a good thing. Um, I don't have an opinion enough on Bezos to really know if he's going to make a difference, um, but I would prefer it to maybe be someone that's more passionate about that team in that city as opposed to just some random, you know, trillionaire coming in and grabbing the team. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, before we jump into the week eight recap, you know, just one last comment, you know, Dan Snyder said a couple of weeks ago that he's got dirt on the NFL and Roger Goodell. So if he's going to exit the league, hopefully whatever that is, if it's true, I hope he drops that bombshell because I'm so damn tired of Roger Goodell. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I always like one of my <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the show is waiting on when Roger Goodell's gonna piss you off. <laughs> and and it never disappoints. It's like, oh man, you just know it's coming and you're just kind of like waiting and rubbing your hands together, waiting for it to come out. And honestly, if it if it ends up happening and Roger Goodell has some dirt, I'd want it to come to the surface too because yeah, yeah. he pisses me off too i just love how passionate you get about it it's the best <laughs> yeah, it's about every other week or every three weeks you know <laughs> he does something that really fires me up but <laughs> oh well it's the best yeah well week eight man week eight no pressure football for us chiefs fans and honestly we were treated to some pretty good games starting with that thursday night bout between uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to hit them with a question, a highlight, and a takeaway. Question for you, will the Buccaneers finish with a winning record? They have games slated against the Rams, Seahawks, Niners, Bengals, and Cardinals. So a lot of stiff competition to wrap up the season for sure, and they are three and five. Yeah, so that's a tough stretch, man. That's a lot of good football teams. Uh, you know, a team in Seattle who we didn't think was going to be very good, but they found a way to pick points up and their defense gets better every week. But I have to, you know, I've doubted Tom Brady several times in the last five years. And really, we could say 10 or 15 years. 
and he has always outperformed my low expectations. So I'm going with, I, I don't know necessarily a winning record, but they're going to turn around from what they've done since they played Kansas City a few weeks ago. They're going to they're gonna start to rattle off a couple wins here. I could see them beating the Rams this weekend, maybe even beating Seattle. Um, and and I think they could beat the Cards, you know. But the, the Cincy and the San Fran game, those may be a little difficult for them. Even the Rams game is going to be a little difficult. But um, I, I could see them, you know, start to turn the ship around. They might go 500. My, or might drop a game under 500, but uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. It's going to be a game or a game, a game under or a game above 500 is what I'm thinking. Well, the good news for them, however it ends up playing out, I think they still will win the division, even if they end up, you know, eight and nine with technically a losing ref record. I think that would be good enough to win the NFC South and secure self a home playoff game. And if you got Brady in the playoffs, you really can't count them out. Yeah, I, I got Atlanta at this point winning that division. Oh, baby. Yeah. I think they yeah. hold on. Yep. I love that. Looking at Baltimore's schedule, they have a really good chance of winning out, losing records for all of their opponents outside of the Cincinnati Bengals in the final game of the season. Um, not a lot of stiff competition for them to end the year there's a good chance they end up 14 and 3 and then the Ravens defense taking a massive turn they're loading up on weapons they traded for Roquan Smith they just activated David Ojabo their star edge rusher out of Michigan that they drafted and um, they've honestly been playing a lot better they held Tom Brady in check for most of the game it was really just a late junk touchdown that even made it a one possession game so um I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Ravens thus far, and I think they, they've really taken a lot to to get better on that side of the ball. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think they're going to, you know, start to separate themselves from, you know, obviously Cleveland um, and, and obviously Pittsburgh as well. But uh, it's going to it's gonna go to December with Cincy. You know, they're, they're, they've started to kind of put something together as well. So that's going to be a division to watch uh, moving into, especially for the – or obviously for the AFC moving forward. but. Um, Sunday morning game in London. That was Denver and Jacksonville. Denver pulls off the win 21 to 17. Is this win enough to save the Broncos season? I will I will admit the Broncos looked better in that game than they have any other point in the season. Russell Wilson, I think, was finally getting play calls that he's accustomed to and that fit his game and style of play. Um, but I don't think it's enough to save the season for the Denver Broncos. I was never a player on them coming into the season anyway. I thought it was yep. a good chance that they finished eight and nine. And in the AFC, that's not good enough to get you a playoff spot, let alone win the division, um, especially in the AFC West. <clears throat> Obviously, AFC West, not as good as I thought they were going to be coming in. Um but I still don't have the Broncos finishing the season with the winning record. I think they, you know, maybe, maybe win seven games this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I'm on the same boat, maybe even six, but um, I think that that's going to launch Daniel Hackett into a hot seat week one of next year. You know what I mean? So it, it's win now with Russell Wilson. If you can't get it done, then you're going to, you're going to be on the hot seat, but um I think the Jags have kind of finally hung things up. You know, they had a, a solid stretch, you know, week two to week five where they're playing good football. And even if they weren't winning, they were they were competing, right? And they were losing close games. So um, I think they're – you mentioned earlier with the Calvin Ridley, they're setting up for next season with, with some playmakers. But um, And then Russell Wilson, 
you know, he's not, uh, he, he's just not been the guy for the Broncos this season. And it, it, it continued that last weekend. So I think they still got a lot of work to do if they want to even be remotely um, competitive, competitive in the AFC or the AFC West. And uh, I don't think we're going to see that, man. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there, obviously. And then moving into the the noon slate, right? We're going to get started with one of the more exciting games, a game I didn't think was going to be as exciting as it was. Atlanta and Carolina. Atlanta end, ends up winning in overtime, uh, the game that it looked like no one wanted to win. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 37-34, uh, Youngway Koo finally hit that, uh, that field goal. Will the Falcons make the playoffs? So you already answered it, um, but wh- how do you think they get there? Yeah, I think they're, they're going to go on a really strong push here from you know, now to you know, mid-December or so and, and hold a strong lead over that division. Um, we could even see the Saints hang around at a number two, but I think Tampa Bay is going to, um, you know, hang around at, you know, a, a, somewhere in the top three as well. So it's really going to be a, a coin flip for those three teams, you know, a good old fashioned um, mid Texas coin flip, you know, uh, a Friday night lights <laughs> style. Friday night but, lights uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think they make the playoffs. So I think, I think Falcons pull off the division and if they don't, they're going to be a wild card. That's awesome. Yeah. NFC's wide open, man. I mean, anything is, man. anything is in play at this point. I don't think you're too far off base uh with them being a playoff, a playoff yep. contender. You gotta uh, hit nine nine games. I mean, if you can put nine games in the first column, then you're gonna you're gonna go to the playoffs in the NFC. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. As far as uh, you know, their offense goes, though, I think they need to get Drake London involved a little bit more. And that's not just because he's on my fantasy team. He has not had a consistent role in that offense really since like week three. Um, I think if they're going to stay competitive long-term, they're going to need to get their first round pick involved. Uh, so getting Drake London involved is going to be a big piece. And then for the Carolina Panthers, I think they should just stick with PJ Walker the rest of the year. He looked pretty darn good against what, you know, I think is a much improved Falcons team. Um, obviously there was a big question mark around how they were going to perform with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but PJ Walker really took the ball and, and ran with it quite literally and got DJ Moore involved, which is something that they've had problems doing, uh, recently. So, you know, I really like what I'm seeing from the, uh, former USFL star PJ Walker for sure. Yeah, I think I'm I'm a, I'm in full agreement with that, man. I don't I don't see how you go a different direction with the quarterback position right now if you're Carolina. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the next game is going to be Dallas and Chicago. You know, Chicago finds a way to once again rally up 9 or uh I almost said 92 points. 29 <laughs> points. Um but Dallas, you know, finishes them off with 49 to 29 with a team that you know, a lot of people got Dallas in the top five in the NFL right now. Uh, so the can, can the Cowboys overtake the Eagles in that NFC slot? Yeah, man. So I was like, I was actually looking at the Eagles schedule cause they're, they're what eight. No, now at this point, it's like, damn, are they going to lose a game? Right. <clears throat> and, and, you know, I'm looking at everything that they have left. They still have another game against Dallas. They have two games left against the Giants, who are also a five win or I'm sorry, a six win team. Um, so they're six and two themselves. 
I mean, there's a really good chance that it comes down to that late Cowboys Eagles game. You know, if if uh, Dallas maybe loses one more game, the Eagles drop two before that game. It could come down to that where, you know, they take a one game advantage over the Eagles and secure the NFC East. So I th- definitely think it's in the realm of possibility, but it is the Eagles division to lose at this point. They're, oh, they're yeah. obviously the premier team out there in the NFC East. They made a ton of moves and acquisitions to put themselves in that place this past offseason, and it's all paying off. Yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And looking at Chicago, I think Justin Fields and and the way they're running this uh, Chicago offense now, and you mentioned it last week or two weeks ago about the Lamar Jackson-esque offense that they're kind of running now and the success that they're having with that. So I think if Justin Fields and and the play callers in Chicago continue that on, and they're going to continue to have success, be able to build on something and, you know, maybe even put something together to snag the last seed in the NFC or something, you know. But um, at least you build some consistency and some momentum going into the next season and, and some confidence in Justin Fields, if, if nothing less. But uh, Michael Parsons, you know, I think you got to chalk up the DPOY to Michael Parsons right now. Um He's got him. This dude just got. He's just a football player, you know. He he makes oh, yeah. the play. He's always in the right place at the right time. He works hard. He does not stop until the whistle's blown. He's a smart football player, um, and, and it shows nearly every play when when he's playing football. So, uh, what a fun dude to watch play football. My God, it's been it's been pretty awesome seeing what he can do. And how about that fumble recovery for a touchdown in that game? Right. Too? Um, yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a prime example of just being um, going the extra mile or go, to going the extra the extra foot. So um, you know, even if he was touched and he got up and they blew the whistle, then so be it. But he wasn't, and he made a huge football play because of it. <laughs> he was like uh, that uh, South Park episode, Randy. I ain't hear no bell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps going, baby. He sure, just keeps yeah. going until he hears it. So, you know, he got ended up turning into seven points for him and yep. pretty much sealed that game up for the Cowboys. Uh, moving into Detroit and Miami, Miami ends up handing Detroit another loss. Uh, you know, what else is new at this point? 31-27 yeah. Miami. Will Dan Campbell last until next season? Well, you know, Give me just a second because I'm gonna pull up their schedule. This is gonna this is gonna determine a lot here. Yeah. So they're we, we gotta they got see Green, who they're playing. They got Green Bay, mm-hmm. followed by the Bears, followed by the Giants, and then Buffalo. If he doesn't win two games by the time he plays Buffalo, then I I I don't see. You gotta go into the Buffalo game at three and seven. You do. You just got to. And if you go yeah. in at two and eight, then, then you're obviously going to get routed by Buffalo. And that's probably going to be a last straw. You're going to get fired on Thanksgiving, bud. Ooh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Couldn't even enjoy it with his family. I, I, I hope that's not how it plays out, man, to be honest with you. Obviously, everyone loves Dan Campbell. They love the kind of coach that he is. You can tell he cares about his players and his organization. Um, but, you know, NFL's a results-driven league, and he has not been showing the results that fans and 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 members of that team and organization want to see. So 
It's yep. really, it's really just too bad. And I think it all starts with the Lions defense just being all time bad. They cannot figure it out in the passing game. They cannot figure it out in the running game. Um, they can't get pressure. They can't stop teams on third down. They can't stop teams in the red zone. It's just like all around bad. I have not seen a yeah. defense as bad in a long time, maybe since the 2018 Chiefs. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, and even they could get sacks. I mean, these guys yeah. can't even get any sacks. So, um, you know, that's just that's just a really bad look. This offense, if they're scoring points, you know what I mean. If their if their defense was worth a damn, uh, they would they would maybe be five hundred right now. <clears throat> uh, and yeah, then think, looking at the oh, sorry, go ahead. I think though, back back on the Dan Campbell point, if he's gone this season, he's got a job next season. He'll he'll be a head coach somewhere else. I think that's very likely possibility. I think there's contenders out there that might be shedding their their head coach that would be more than happy to welcome him in with opening open arms. If Adam Gase can get fired by the Dolphins and then land with the Jets the very next next season, Dan Campbell's going to be just fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the Dolphins. Speaking of them, they have the most explosive offense in the NFL. There's no other way to put it. They have two receivers that are top five in yardage and have maintained those positions throughout the entire season and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle's been a better touchdown man. Tyreek Hill, God damn, 200 yards last Sunday. I mean, um, Tua, oh, I think Tua, what did he throw for? 389 or something like that. And I want to say like 330 of those yards were to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So um, that just shows – you can put anyone in that system and they're going to do well. Yep. Tyreek's on pace to beat, to beat the uh, receiving yards record per season, man. Yep. How about it? Yep. What a good trade for both sides, to be honest with you. Um, Patrick Mahomes gets more weapons on defense and offense. Tyreek Hill gets put in a system where he's going to be the ultimate number one star and he gets to play in his hometown, I mean, you got to be pretty damn happy if you're yeah. uh, if you're Tyreek Hill for sure, and he gets paid. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. yeah. He got, yeah, he got to pay that. All right, Minnesota in Arizona. Minnesota pulls this out, thirty-four to twenty-six. Did the Vikings win the game, or the Cardinals just lose it? Man, I think I think the Cardinals lost it. They turned the ball over a couple of times. Uh, they had opportunities at the end of the game to close the gap on these guys, and they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. DeAndre Hopkins was visibly upset about some of the ways that some of those plays played out. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, the Cardinals, they lost this game a, a little bit more than the Vikings won it for sure. Absolutely. And I think uh, part of – I think Arizona's done that a couple times this year. You know, they've dropped games that they probably should have been closer in or they like should have won, right? Um, there's a lot of higher expectations for the Cardinals team, but I think D hops back, you know, D hop is, um, showing who he is, you know, right. He's a, he's a, he's a top five receiver. And I think, uh, I, I think he's kind of just jumped right back into where it was. And, uh, then unfortunately we thought that that might bring that team back, but I think they need a little bit more moving forward. But, um, speaking of receivers, you know, Justin Jefferson hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. Week one. So What's going on. Someone who said, you know, before the season that he's the best receiver in the league, you know, it's not looking that way. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, he's obviously 
very talented, but you got to get in the end zone, man. Right. All right, moving into this stinker of a game. New Orleans hosted Las Vegas, where they shut them out 24 to nothing for the Raiders. <laughs> Are, oh, they, are they the biggest disappointment in the league right now? I think as far as, you know, expectations and on paper, you, you, you have to give it to Vegas. You know, with adding Devontae Adams and what Derek Carr was already bringing to the table and what Josh Jacobs has done this season, you know, you expect to see some more wins out of this football team. And we haven't, right? So, yeah, I think they're a huge disappointment. I, I think uh, there's a couple, you know, I think um, I think Detroit's on that list. I think the Pits- I think Pittsburgh's on that list. And I think obviously Denver's on that list as well. No, 100%. I mean, you're hitting the, the nail on the head with all those teams. <clears throat> all those guys were expected to be playoff contenders. And some were even saying the Raiders or the Broncos or whoever was going to dethrone the Chiefs in the AFC West. That has definitely not happened, and it's not going to happen with the way the season's played out so far. Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, we were sold on this chemistry that they were going to have coming into the league, being college teammates and best friends, um, and it just hasn't played out that way. Uh, De- Devontae Adams has been spotty. He does have a couple big games to his, you know, to his name this year, but they held him in check in new Orleans and you would expect those two guys to overcome that. If, and Devonte Adams is seen by a lot of people as the best, most talented receiver in the NFL. If you're Derek Carr, you got to take advantage of that. And you would, you would expect that chemistry to overcome just about anything. And it just hasn't, um, has not translated to enough wins and, you know, it, it's definitely part of that disappointment. Now, I don't want to give all the credit for the loss to the Raiders. I want to give some of the credit to the Saints. Saints defense made a huge step forward. Uh, their biggest asset for a long time was their defense, and it hasn't been that way this year. Uh, their defense has given up a ton of points to a ton of different teams, and they really put their foot down at home, which is where you're supposed to handle your business, right? You don't go to the playoffs losing games at home, and in a, the division they're in, it's wide open. You know right. what I mean? So they got to right. win games, especially when they're playing in the Caesars dome. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so moving on into the New York jets and the Patriots game, Patriots steal this game from the jets, 22 to 17, 22, 17. I kind of saw this one as a trap a little bit, you know, uh, jets were kind of hyped up with uh, a one loss football team or, and, you know, a lot of expectations going into this week with New England. We had no expectations in, and no nobody was, you know, kind of picking New England to win this game. But or actually, you know what? New England was favored. New England was the favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, the Jets. Yeah. 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 Plus three. I remember talking about that. Yep. So Zach Wilson, is he still the quarterback for the Jets or, you know, is it time to, you know, look at other options for quarterback at the Jets? Man, I I was never a big believer in Zach Wilson. Honestly, when they took him ahead of a ton, a bunch of different quarterbacks that were available at the time, I was pretty shocked. Um, came out of BYU, nothing I saw there really impressed me as far as NFL talent and and being ready for for this level of the game. <clears throat> so 
you know, am I surprised that he's not doing all that well as the quarterback for the Jets? No. Should he still be the quarterback for the Jets? I think he still deserves a little bit more opportunity there. But I think we talked about it earlier this year. They looked better, at least in the passing game. They looked better with Joe Flacco under right. center. So, I mean, I just don't think Zach Wilson has uh, – I wouldn't say the talent. I don't think he has the football IQ to read defenses well enough and to, and to make those reads and go through his progressions well enough yet. Uh, I think there's still a learning curve that he needs to get over before he can be seen as that viable uh, number one quarterback for New York. Um, definitely an over overreaction to give up on him this early, uh, but so far, you know, not a great grade uh, for, for the BYU product for sure. Sure. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. Looking at both of these teams as a whole, you know, they've both been so inconsistent. That's kind of led them to where they're at now. And the jets have been, um, you know, solid. I guess the only consistency here is the Jets defense. Um, the, the offense, as you spoke about, is kind of inconsistent. You had Joe Flacco in there for two weeks, um, Zach Wilson in there for the rest. And um, they're, they're, I think they're still trying to figure out how they're going to win games consistently. Uh, obviously, the run game is going to be a, a huge factor for the Jets team. But, you know, the Patriots, they've had solid defense in the last two weeks, but, you know, short offense. But And then before that, it was kind of all offense or – um, no defense or all defense or no offense. So I think they're just kind of trying to put one game together and start that consistency. And then the Patriots might be able to rattle something off here. And even I could really see both of these teams taking one from Buffalo. Oh, I love that. Yeah, me too. That's uh, I don't know if that's uh, a little wishful thinking thrown in there too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that'd be nice. So, Moving into the Pennsylvania Bowl, Philadelphia took on the Pittsburgh Steelers and just dominated them 35-13. Which is more likely, the Steelers drafting in the top five or the Eagles drafting at the back five of the first round? I think both of these are very likely. So I think, but to pick one, I think you got to pick the Eagles right now and the way they're playing football. And it's, there's like a, there's an aurora around the Eagles football team, right? They're having fun. They're competing. They're playing solid football each week. They're a consistent football team. And then you move into uh, Pittsburgh. You know, I, I think they're easily a bottom five football team right now. Uh, yeah. But the thing about that decision is I don't think that's how uh, – I don't think that's how that organization rolls. I think they're going to fight till the very end, and they're going to make play tough football until the very end. They're not going to give anybody any easy wins. No, I'm with you, dude. TJ Watts coming back. That defense is going to change it up again and and really start dominating again. And, you know, TJ Watts, that kind of guy that can be a difference maker week in and week out and win you yep. some games. And I think they're going to be dangerous in the back end of the season once they get, you know, once they get him back in the lineup. Yeah. <clears throat> AJ Brown may be the best pickup of the offseason trade, free agency or otherwise. This guy has totally changed the way that the Eagles offense plays football because yeah. they have that guy who can be in every down pass catcher, whether it's third yeah. and long, over the middle, red zone, toss, whatever. Mr. He's Reliable. Been, 
He's been Mr. Reliable for them, for sure. Jalen Hurts has a real, a true uh, security blanket. And then opposite of him, he has Devontae Smith, which I think he's a perfect number two wide receiver. Um, and then, of course, Dallas Goddard, too, in a great run game. So uh, Jalen Hurts, in my mind, he's sitting right behind Mahomes and Josh Allen in the MVP race. I think there's, you know, a chance that he gets a little bit of extra consideration because of what he can do on the ground. And if he ends up with a better record, that's going to sit better with, you know, the writers because it's all about the narrative with these with these awards. And, um, you know, Mahomes has one. Josh Allen didn't look all that great. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Didn't look all that great on Sunday night football in the second half there. Um, and there's a chance that those consistent inconsistencies can continue to rear their ugly head. Uh, so that leaves Jalen hurts as a, you know, that third, that third guy in that race. And he has potential to move into the number one spot for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And I think him playing for the Eagles gives him, and up in, in the voting as far as the MVP. You know, everybody expects Pat Mahomes to be the best. Everybody expects Josh Allen to be the best. That's true. When you get a guy that comes in and he's not been consistent the last since he's been in the NFL or he's been young, you know, he's still working through some things, and then you come out and, and have a season like Jalen Hurts is having right now, then, hell, yeah, you want to you root for him. I want to root for him, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. I like that take. So Houston, Tennessee, Houston pulls us off. We talked about or uh, Tennessee pulls us off 17 to 10. We talked a little bit about it on uh, on Let's Chief, but Malik Willis, is he the future quarterback for the Titans? Is he the answer? Nah, man, I don't like it. I don't think he's good enough in the passing game to be that guy. Um, maybe it's maybe it's the Tennessee Titans weapons really outside of Robert Woods. They don't have anyone in the passing game they can rely on. Uh, but from what I've seen so far, they haven't even had the confidence to let him take looks in the passing game. You know what I mean? It's been the Derrick Henry show since yep. um, in, in any in any scenario where Malik Willis is on the field. So I don't know. I don't I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's the answer long term for them at quarterback. Sure. Yeah. And speaking of Derrick Henry, man, the dude loves to play the Houston Texans. Uh, <laughs> ran for 200 plus and scored two plus touchdowns the last four times he's played Houston. That is crazy. This dude's a monster. Insane. Uh, and then the Texans' best player is obviously Damian Pierce. This dude is a he's a baller, dude. Uh, very underrated coming into the season, and then just kind of took everybody by storm. Um, you know, obviously for that team, but the league as well. No, absolutely. I, I love what I've seen from Damian Pierce. He started getting buzz late in training camp and whatnot when they, you know, cut Marlon Mack. And uh, it was a slow start for him for sure. But now he's really coming into his own. And I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing for, for the Texans and that running back. Staying in the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts hosted the Washington Commanders and the Commanders ended up getting a one-point victory over them, 17-16 in the last minute. Taylor Heineke, man, what a stud. What are the Colts doing? It does not seem like they want to win. Yeah, I don't know. They're definitely, you know, going back to Pittsburgh and the attitude and the, and the culture that they have, you know, they're going to fight to the rest of the season. But, you know, I think the Colts, you know, take take their legs right now and, and kind of move on with the season and and prepare for what the next season is going to look like for that team. Cause 
um, whatever they're trying to act like they want to do right now, whether they want to win football games or they want to lose them. Um, I, I think just make a decision and try to get a top five pick there, maybe top seven. Yeah, I think that would be in their best interest for sure. <clears throat> Taylor Heineke, legit, dude. Uh, that offense rallies around him when he's under center. I think they have more respect for him than they do Carson Wentz, and that goes a long way with how they play and how that offense is run. And Terry McLaurin, he's stuck in Washington. You know what I mean? That dude uh, signed a three-year extension. He's one of the better receivers in the league, super talented, coming from that 2019 receiver class that might go down as one of the best of all time uh, when it's all said and done. I feel bad for him being stuck there. I mean, he signed the contract himself, but damn, um, things have not looked good there. Even when you expect them to sort of improve and and make strides, it just hasn't happened. So Terry McLaurin, you know, maybe not next year, maybe not even the year after, but once year three, year year three of that contract extension comes up, you could see him on the move, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate they don't start – they, they, don't, they don't have a lot of faith in Heineke, Taylor Heineke, right? So they, they always yeah. try to start the other guy in front of him and then rely on him later on midseason to kind of pick up the pieces and, and figure out how to how to win football games. So he's been a stud. We saw it against uh, Tom Brady, you know, a couple of years ago <laughs> yeah. in the playoffs. So. Um, but moving on to L.A. and San Fran, you know, kind of dominating fashion for San Fran winning the game 31-14 in L.A., that being the Rams. You know, will the Rams ever beat the Niners in the regular season? Can they do it? I, I think, think – I think uh, – what's his – what's uh, – um, I can't think of his name now, head coach, L.A. Uh, McVay. Yeah, McVay. I think he he's, what, 8 and – or uh, 7 and – or 0 and 7 against the Niners. It's Does something right? insane like that. Like yeah. the last eight games he's lost all eight or last seven he's lost all right. seven. It's something like that. I know they swept the Niners swept the Rams last year in the regular season, and then the Rams beat them in the NFC Championship game uh, to go to the Super Bowl and eventually claim that title. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Shanahan, obviously, uh, McVay comes from his system, comes from his coaching tree. Uh, but I don't think – I mean, maybe one day. <laughs> maybe right. one day they'll get a win over him, but things just haven't looked good recently. And, you know, Shanahan just understands that team really well and uh, knows his tendencies and, and really just has his number. They just got to do it in the playoffs. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, honestly, that's where it counts. So um, if, if that's when they're winning football games, then I'm okay with this it. kind of like Buffalo and Kansas city. I'm good with that. Right. So um I think Christian McCaffrey was an obvious, uh, you know, playmaker from day one. And he made plays against Kansas City when he came into the game. Um, but I think the Rams are are in trouble as far as what their season's looking like. They have not been able to produce anything to what they were doing last year. They were not able to, you know, kind of a you know a sophomore slump, if you want to say, or you know, a lot of teams come off a Super Bowl slump, and, and that's what we're seeing in in LA with the Rams, which is. Kind of surprising. I think they were top three favorites uh, to come back. Or they, I think they were the favorite of the whole NFL to to uh, win the Super Bowl again. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, pretty surprising. Matt Stafford's been real quiet, real mediocre, and uh, they got a lot to work on before they can make any 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 runs. You know, one in that division, but two into the NFC. Absolutely. 
Sticking with the NFC West, Seattle hosted the New York Giants and took care of business 27 to 13, handing the Giants just their second loss. Do you think this was a good game? I think anytime you get to watch Geno Smith win football games is a good game. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, how much fun has it been to watch uh, 2013 Geno Smith come in here and and take the league um, into his grips? But uh, the dude, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, the Giants were one, one lost football team going into this game, you know, and everybody doubts Seattle every single week. And and Geno Smith continues to produce for that football team. He ain't writing back. They wrote him no. off. He ain't writing yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think this was a it was a really good game. You know, Seattle. I think they end up winning the NFC West. To be honest with you, with the way their schedule lays out the rest of the season, it's lighter than what the Niners and the Rams have to deal with. The Rams, in my opinion, came in with the toughest schedule in the NFL. Um, Obviously, the AFC West not being as good as what they could have been lightens that up for them. And that's really what lightened up Seattle's schedule, just looking at what they have left. And the Giants, man, they're legitimate as well. All right. They deserve their respect. They got beat by another good football team. So, you know, this isn't uh, some people want to come out here and say this is going to be the end of this team's run or whatever. Um, They're they're legitimate and they have plenty more opportunity to take care of business. And I definitely think they're a serious playoff contender. Um, Daniel Jones, if they get in there, that could be his first that's going to be his first foray in the playoffs. That inexperience may may show its head. But, you know, don't don't sleep on the Giants each week whenever they line up against your favorite team. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100 percent. I think the Giants are real. I think, you know, moving into January, February, Daniel Daniel Jones holds you back. It is what it is. You got to have a good quarterback to win for those football games. And, you know, maybe you want to call him good, but you know, I don't think he gets it done in January. But moving on, Buffalo Green Bay. Buffalo takes this win on Sunday night, 27-17. Are the Bills untouchable? Does anybody else beat them this year? Man, the Bills are, I mean, they just look so damn good every time they play football. But, uh, you know, they kind of looked human in the second half of that game against the Packers. Josh Allen made some some pretty boneheaded mistakes in the passing game, throwing two interceptions to the guy that, that he was, the guys he was beefing with all, all night long. Rasul Douglas and Jair Alexander picked him off. Um you know, I think their 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 schedule. They've definitely made it through the tougher part of it. Um, already having faced Kansas City and a few other contenders like the Rams, um, but they still have Tampa on their schedule. They have a couple of divisional games that are going to be difficult, including one more meeting with the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, are they going to lose another game this season? I think so. How many? Maybe not more than one or two. Um, so the Chiefs, you know, or any of those other AFC teams, if they're wanting to take this one seed from Buffalo, uh, they got to be perfect the rest of the year because Buffalo is going to be damn near perfect, I think, uh, moving yeah. through their final stretch of their schedule. Sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, you know, I was kind of hoping, you know, I really do think the Jets and uh, New England may have a chance, you know, to be in division game. You get some, but you get the Bills at home, you know, you might be able to take something from them, but. Um, yeah, no, I agree, but, um, yeah, it's it, it just tough deal there. 
But uh, Josh Allen, you know, you mentioned it with the, with the tough the tough second half. And the same thing goes for Green Bay. You know, six total points scored in that second half, right? So uh, got to make changes, man. So Cleveland and Cincinnati, Monday night football. You already mentioned it before. Cleveland took this game from Cincinnati. Are the Bengals back to the pre-chase days? Man, that rookie season from Joe Burrow was tough for them for sure. Um, but they definitely look lost on Monday night football. Um, obviously, we're missing Jamar Chase and that offense, and the Browns exploited it. Uh, they pressured Joe Burrow nonstop. They took away uh, some of those passes that he wanted to get off. I mean, Miles Garrett, just to start the game, Miles Garrett tips a pass into uh, one of the other Browns defensive backs hands and from then on out it wasn't even a contest so the Bengals if they want to be competitive in this little stretch without Jamar Chase um, because they're pretty much playing for a wild card spot if you ask me in the AFC uh, they're gonna have to figure things out and figure out how to get Higgins and Boyd involved early in the game not just during the junk session when the game's already lost sure yeah absolutely and you know, Joe Burrow does look lost without Chase. You know, he that's his go-to guy, obviously, but that's his um, old faithful, old reliable. You know, so he's in pressure or under pressure or games on the line. You know, where you're going, you're going to Jamar Chase, right? So, um, like, like you said, you got to get those other guys involved if you want to have a chance. Uh, but a, a guy you were talking about earlier, Miles Garrett, with the with the play at the, at the beginning of the game, you know, this is a guy that can compete for the DPOY. And I think that there's a guy that's at number two right now. It's, it's gotta be miles Garrett. And I don't think, uh, I don't think that the gap is too big. I think he's got a chance at it. You know, if he stays completely healthy and, and, and goes out there and plays ball, like he is week in and week out. And, and uh, maybe Michael Parsons slips up a game or two. He could easily take DPOY from, from Michael Parsons. No, I could definitely see that. He got a couple sacks, got that pit, uh, that tip pass. Miles Garrett's legit, and yeah. um, you watch Stranger Things at all, Trey? No, I don't. Man, Miles Garrett dressed up as the, one of the villains from Stranger Things, and he freaking nailed it. And then the dude oh. went out there and played like a villain. <laughs> I saw, I saw what he dressed up as. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was the dude from uh, Resident Evil. So yeah, dude, it does. He does look a lot like that guy. I know exactly yeah. the big ass yep. dude. Yep. Yep. <laughs> looks just like that no he yeah. nailed it yeah he did he looked real oh man it was scary yeah security probably should have dropped his ass <laughs> freeze oh, yeah <laughs> all right damn best matchups going into this week jets and bills like i said man watch out for the jets you know to maybe squeaking out a game against the bills um seahawks and cardinals another division game bucks and rams um, another great game between two, um, you know, we've seen a couple of good games from these two teams in the last couple of years. Chiefs and Titans, obviously, Sunday night football. Um, Chiefs and Titans got some history in the last couple of years as well, being one and two seed two years ago. And uh, honorable mentions here, I think Saints and Ravens, that's a low-key sleeper game. That's going to be a damn good game. And then Falcons and Chargers, I think that's going to be a damn good game as well. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All those games are going to be a lot of fun to watch from the parking lot of Arrowhead. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm really I'm really excited for uh, these these two five win teams. It's so crazy that the Titans are a five win team to me. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, we, the chiefs, I think are going to come out there, take care of business. Seahawks have a good chance to, to handle their business on the road. Hopefully the jets get that upset. Uh, just speaking from my chiefs, my chiefs fandom and then the honorable mentions. Yeah. I think those are, those have potential to be two high scoring affairs. You know, Falcons and chargers can put up a lot of points and bunches and then <clears throat> saints and Ravens, Uh, The Ravens can get started at any time, of course, and the Saints, man, they're usually just one Taysom Hill broken tackle away from busting the game open at any time. So um, that's going to those are going to be two fun ones to watch. And of course, Saints and Ravens Monday night football. Let's move into some power rankings before we get into our favorite part of the show where we talk about our bets. Top five, bottom five, bro. Where 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 are we trying to start? Uh, let's 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 talk about the bottom feeders and move into the the top guys. Absolutely. So you know, bottom five. I'm going with more of like a bottom um, eight here. So bottom worst team in the league's got to be the Texans, followed by the Lions. You know, the Lions are coming up close on them here, but I think these next six teams can all share the misery together. Being the Raiders, Steelers, Jags, Broncos, Panthers, and Bears. <laughs> I think they're all interchangeable. You know, I can't. I could. I, I'll sit here trying to pick a, pick a couple teams to to round out the top five worst teams, and I, I honestly couldn't. I want to put the Raiders and Broncos in there so bad, but then I was like, well, you know, the Broncos just won a game, and then. But I, so I, I'm I'm just gonna loop all those teams together. They're all equally as shitty. <laughs> they're just it's it's not bottom five. It's bottom tier. Yes. There you go. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I, I love that. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, Texans are the are number 32 for me. Steelers are number 31 right now. That's the way I feel because of their quarterback play. The Lions sitting at 30, followed by the Jaguars, who I wanted to put the Broncos and the Panthers in there, but the Panthers look competitive and the Broncos beat them. And then the Raiders, um, uh, th- this is their first appearance in the bottom five for me this year. Um <clears throat> but it was just unacceptable what we've seen from them so far this year, especially when you're looking at the offense and the firepower that they have on that side of the ball. But any of these other teams that I didn't list in my bottom five Broncos, Panthers, Bears, all of those guys could very easily be swapped in and out of the bottom five for me for sure, too. Yeah, so moving into my top five then with that, we're pretty consistent here. And really, honestly, everybody's probably pretty close on this. Um, Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, those three haven't changed for me. Vikings jump up to the four slot. I had the Giants there last week. And then I'm jumping, I'm going with the Ravens, man. I, I think this is a solid football team um, all the way around. And you mentioned the, the hiccups they had on, on defense and how they're trying to figure, how they're starting to figure those things out and, and make some moves there. So originally I had the Niners in there, and I'll let you talk about them a little bit, but. Um, just another solid football team. And honestly, if they would have beat the Chiefs two weeks ago, they'd probably be sitting at two or three for me. No, I, I, I'm I'm with you. I think the Ravens are my number six team. They are just outside looking in for me. But I have the Niners in that five spots because they look so damn dangerous against the Rams. Uh, Christian McCaffrey finally got involved in that game. <clears throat> and he dominated in every facet. He threw a touchdown, ran a touchdown in, and caught a touchdown. I mean, is there a better Swiss Army Knife kind of player? I don't think there is. So his impact's being felt immediately. Vikings sit in my four spot. I do have the Chiefs at number three, and that's because I can't put them over the undefeated Eagles or the Bills who won the head-to-head matchup already. Um, 
I mean, but really, it's it's a tale of three teams so far in the NFL. Uh, really, it's the Bills, Eagles, Chiefs. I think they could be swapped around in any order, uh, and and you wouldn't be far off. <clears throat> Before we move into our bets, let's get a quick word from our friends at eCoffee. They are a KC local coffee company. Check out their website, www.eCoffee.com eeroastscoffee.com visit them on instagram at eeroastcoffee you can find them at the same page on facebook as well if you visit their website you'll see that their beans come from all over the world and they roast them right here in Kansas City and then ship them out to wherever you need coffee and you can set that up on one off orders or you you know, you love a bean, you love one of their flavors that they have there at eCoffee and you want to set up a subscription, you can do that for 12 months, six months and three months. They will send you a bag of coffee each of those months at, you know, a discounted rate, of course, and you get to have some of the best coffee in your cup waking you up right every single morning. Check them out. www.eeroastcoffee.com. All right, Trey, big Money moves of the week. We'll start by recapping week week eight's action. We both lit it up on Thursday night. That was really cool. Uh, Overhits, <clears throat> and you had Baltimore covering in that one as well as your lock of the week. Uh, pretty awesome stuff uh, there for for us. And then um, you know Sunday comes around. I think I took a loss and a win. You end up eight and ten. I end up nine, eight, and one. So we are recovering a little bit from that early, <laughs> early start uh, where yes. things were looking a little rough. And then um, you finally broke the curse, my guy. A lot. I told you. Baby. I told you this week it was it, man. That was Tennessee. the week. That was the week. So you're one and four. I'm three and two in locks after Green Bay covers. At the very end of the game, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I was like, cover, cover, because yeah. <laughs> I play all my picks too. So it was yeah. like, man, I need this. So that was pretty awesome. And then we, I did awful on my sleepers, uh, but you went three and zero. Oh, so that brings us to twenty and fourteen on the sleepers. I actually played our sleepers this week, and uh, I only played my my sleepers because I was like, you know, I, I want to ease my way into it. And of course I went 0 and 3. So, you know, I won't yeah. be doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a nice, nice week eight. You know, a lot of good action, a lot of no pressure football for us Chiefs fans. But uh, you know, being able to lay some money down on some of these games made it a little bit easier. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that that's that is the glory of of sports gambling is right. <laughs> putting in loads of bets and then laying on the couch and watching them all bloom. Oh yeah. It's beautiful. It's she's a butte clock. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So looking at week nine, these big money moves, tell me what your three picks are, man. So my three picks this week, I'm going to start it off with an over under. I'm taking the over 42 and a half with the LA uh, Mm -hmm. Rams and the Tampa Bay game. This is, like I said, a high powered game. Um, just built off history with these two teams the last couple of years. So I'm taking the over here. It's set pretty low, 42 and a half as far as overall for NFL. Not necessarily set low for this game, but set low for the NFL. So I like this to take, I like this to go over. I'm also taking the Rams plus three at Tampa. Uh, Double down. I, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I see this one being a super close game. 
you know, this one might honestly be, it might honestly push, you know, at the plus three, but um, I, I see this being a super close game and, and I, I expect it to be so. And then I'm taking Baltimore minus two and a half at New Orleans. That's a no, that's a no brainer for me. Um, yeah. Baltimore wins close games, but I, I see him winning by three, um, six or seven points in this one. That one feels really good to me. I almost put that one in on my, my picks as well, actually. And, and um, I just, I love a lot of the, a lot of the the spreads this week. I love the totals this week. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be a really good week uh, for for betting on games. Yeah, I think everything I looks really really winnable. Um, maybe that's just my my optimism coming in. And I had a good week <laughs> last last week, uh, yeah. so I might be riding that high a little bit. Um, but my three picks, man, I'm starting with Carolina at Cincinnati at 42 and a half. I also think that's pretty low with um, a lot of potential for points in those two from those two teams and um uh something important to note is cincinnati's number one corner will be out for the rest of the season cheetah big uh did get hurt so you know that opens up the passing game for the panthers and and um of course joe burrow and that Bengals offense can get firing so 42 and a half i think is a very very nice uh nice total for this one new england and indianapolis 39 and a half. I think the line has actually moved up to 40 and a half. I'm still taking the under because it's moving in the right direction for me, baby. I do not. I do not think Sam Ellinger is going to do well against Bill Belichick. He traditionally dismantles young quarterbacks. And, um, you know, the, the Patriots are, are my biggest concern in this one because Bill Belichick does also run the score up uh, on teams whenever he's winning. So, you know, this one could end up coming really close to that line, but I think the under does prevail. And then finally, Miami at Chicago minus five. That's actually moved closer to four and a half, I believe, but I'm still taking, I'm still taking that action at minus four and a half. I think the Dolphins win this one by a touchdown. Yeah, I like that one too. That's a pretty good call. So my lock of the week, Dan, we gotta we're, we're gonna play the same game here for our locks. I'm taking Minnesota minus three at Washington. Mm-hmm. I think Minnesota just takes care of business in Washington this weekend. That was another pick that I swapped out of my of my lineup. I just love those other three just a just a hair more. Um, but my lock of the week had to be Minnesota at Washington over 43 and a half. I think this line is criminally low. I think Washington at least scores 17. Um, that just leaves, you know, Minnesota to take care of the rest. And there's a very good chance they put up 30, uh, 30 or more in this game against that uh, that commander's defense. So I really like the over at 43 and a half in this one. <clears throat> That's my lock of the week. Looking at sleepers, there's a couple here. I think you might like them for sure. That ATL plus three against oh, yeah. the the Chargers, Seattle money line. I think they're plus one ten um, at Arizona. Arizona is favored by two points right now, and then the Tennessee and Kansas City total is set at forty six and a half. I like the under there. Um, I mentioned it earlier. I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to put up more than you know, 17 or so points. And that's like being really optimistic. I think it's more going to be like 13 uh, for the Tennessee Titans and the chiefs. They'll probably put up 30, but that just puts them a shade under that, uh, that 46 and a half point mark. So uh, I really like the under there as a, as one of those that, that could hit. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that one. I was kind of debating that one earlier, and I could see that one kind of be a long, drawn-out game, a lot, a lot of time control, a lot of, uh, you know, clock management football um, with that game. But, you know, same game here. I'm taking Tennessee plus 12 and a half. That is so steep for me, man. That's a huge, huge gap there. I, I'm, I'm jumping all over that. Kansas City does not like to cover the spreads, so I'm jumping all over Tennessee plus 12 and a half. L, uh, Las Vegas here at Jacksonville. I'm taking the under at 48. That is steep, especially for a team that just scored zero points last week. And then Atlanta plus three. You already talked about that one. I like, I really, really like that. Yep. No, I think that's a good one for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, those are the the big money moves of the week. Of course, as we do every Sunday morning, we will have these posted on our Twitter at the fastest 40 <clears throat> with the most current um Vegas odds applied to it. So make sure you're following along with that. Uh we will share those to our Instagram and Facebook as well. Um but yeah, you know, big money moves of the week. Let's have ourselves a nice winning weekend here <clears throat> on the fastest 40. Remember we are in partnership with Stadium Rant. They are a sports publication www.stadiumrant.com Visit the website, check out all the different articles and, and pieces of content that they're putting up um, on not just the 32 NFL teams, but for sports as a whole, NBA, MLB, they, they really do cover the gamut. So www.stadiumrant.com and also visit their podcast channel for the NFL. It is called NFL on Stadium Rant. That is where you'll find podcasts for all of your favorite teams that drop weekly and check them out on YouTube as well, where you can see that weekly NFL show that they're putting out. Follow along with all that good stuff. Trey, let's move into some fantasy football. We have some starts here for the people before we get to just a hunch. And we're going to start with quarterback Geno Smith on the road against Arizona. Arizona's defense lets up a lot of points to quarterbacks that uh, they find themselves going up against. And Geno Smith has been one of the better ones. He's actually a top 10 fantasy football quarterback thus far. And uh, I think he continues to put up fantastic numbers this week. And then also Trevor Lawrence, I want to highlight because he's going up against the Las Vegas Raiders who just allowed Andy Dalton to have himself a really good game. Uh, their, their defense has not been very strong in the passing game. So I think Trevor Lawrence has himself a really good game. And then finally, Aaron Rodgers. So he's playing the worst defense in the NFL um, on the road against Detroit. I think they finally figure out some things uh, with his with his receiving core, and uh, and they end up getting some some good points in the fantasy uh, realm for sure. Let's move into running backs. Yeah, so running backs, Jamal Williams, man, against Green Bay, who's got a very sorry run defense. I think Jamal Williams a solid start this weekend. Miles Sanders at Houston, obviously a Houston, a struggling Houston team. And then Deontay uh, Foreman uh, going to see, uh, Cincinnati this weekend is a good bet with a struggling Cincinnati offense. He might be uh, uh, somebody to uh, you know kind of help control the clock up there when they're playing Cincinnati. Yep, absolutely love all those all those plays. Wide receiver, I'm looking at Juju Smith-Schuster against Tennessee. Again, we mentioned it earlier in Let's Chief and earlier in the show. Uh, this secondary, not that great. I think Juju exploits him quite a bit. DJ Moore 
on the road against Cincinnati, that number one corner not playing. DJ Moore is going to build on that success against the Falcons, against the Bengals this week. And then finally, DK Metcalf, who had some questions around his health last week, but he proved all of that wrong uh, when he caught a touchdown and ended up having a pretty solid game. And uh, now he's finding himself against Arizona. So, you know, I'm looking at Geno Smith and that DK Metcalf connection to succeed this Sunday. Yeah, I'm rooting for that DK Metcalf because I need that one to come through, man. Hell so yeah. kicking off the tight ends here, you know, it's been a tough year for tight ends if you don't have Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Um, but uh, Evan Ingram, we're going uh, – he's playing against Las Vegas this weekend. He's going to be a solid bet. Robert Tunyon at Detroit. Dan's already talked about that defense. It's a sorry-ass defense. You're going to want to take advantage of that. Anytime somebody's playing Detroit, start whoever it is. And then TJ Hawkinson playing uh, Washington in his first game with the Vikings. We can see them try to integrate this dude right into the offense and get him kickstarted to the rest of the season. So, um, you know, t- that's that was kind of a risk there, you know, kind of a sleeper if you want to call it that. But, you know, like I said, tight ends are, are pretty shallow. So might as well take a take a shot on that one. Absolutely. No, I love that. All you need is a touchdown from your tight end and you're probably <laughs> you probably handle in a top 10 tight end for that week. You know what I mean? Agreed. Agreed. So finally, just a hunch, my guy. We'll wrap the show on this. Yes. I I will go with mine first and then pass it over to you. Uh, we've had been a little bit off base <laughs> with our uh with our hunches so far this year, but you know, we'll see how how those play off. No pressure. It's just a hunch. So yeah. Bengals, I think they continue their struggles without Jamar Chase this week and are upset by the Carolina Panthers. I'm okay. ready to put put my stake in the ground there. I just have a feeling uh, they did not look good against the Browns, who have been pretty mediocre this year. And uh, the Panthers definitely are one of those teams that's scrappy, um, and they can they can give them a game for sure. So that's where I'm that's where I'm planting my flag this week for hashtag Just a Hunch. All right, man. I'm rolling with the Dirty Birds. Atlanta and Seattle make a run and only lose one game each over the next three weeks. Damn, son. Yeah. Damn, son. Where'd you find this? <laughs> we got Bird Gang. Dude's yes, rolling sir. with the Falcons and the Seahawks. No, I love it. I think the Seahawks have a legit opportunity to do that and secure their place as the rightful owners of the NFC West. And then the Atlanta Falcons, they pull that off, then they probably are the kings of the NFC South at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Well, hey, uh, that wraps up the show. We'll see how these hunches play out for us as we head into week nine of the NFL season. Thank you all for taking the time to listen and hang out with us. Hopefully uh, that betting advice, that fantasy football advice helps you get your lineups right. And uh, you come away as a winner, not just in your fantasy leagues, but also with some cash in your pocket. Check us out. On Twitter at the fastest 40, Instagram at the fastest underscore 40. And then, of course, you can follow along with the show and leave reviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Trey, do you have anything for the people as we send them off? No, man. Another successful week, Dan. Looking forward to the game this weekend, like I said. And uh, last one that I'm going to miss, man, or maybe not the last one of the season I'm going to miss. I think I got to miss one more, but, uh, um, next week's going to be my first week back. I'm going to have to dust off the cobwebs to, the, uh, to my old, my old uh, tailgate and 
gear. So looking forward <laughs> to being back with you and the gang um, back up there in Section 308 and back in uh, back in the bus, bro. Hell yeah, dude. I'm excited to have you back in 308. I hope you just don't have to dust the bibs off. Like just dust yeah. off the chief gear. We can wait yeah. a little while before we need uh we need all the layers, you know what I mean? Yeah, hopefully the first time I'm wearing the bibs is in Denver. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Well, hey, uh, we'll see you guys next week as we gear up for week 10. Enjoy this week of football and let's get hyped.